0: It genuinely felt good to be back at Ball Arena today, despite it being a preseason game, despite the Avalanche losing, which, I mean, who really cares about the results of a preseason final? But uh, despite all of that, it just felt good to be back there, to see other to see all the other reporters kind of doing their thing, to see what was surprisingly, to me, a pretty good crowd there at Ball Arena for a 1 p.m. Sunday game game. Uh, a preseason game nonetheless. Um, And you know what? I'm kind of glad that there was that many people there because after what happened to the Broncos, which when the puck dropped, it was 35 to 13, I think. But after what happened to the Broncos tonight, I'm glad that many people were there to get excited for the hockey season because I think it's time to let go of the 2023 Denver Broncos football season and, and be ready for next year or a rebuild or something by the time you guys are listening to this, which I'm recording here about an hour after the Avalanche four to three lost to the Minnesota wild. I, uh, we might already have some news Monday about some kind of a cut or a release or a firing or some crazy press conference. I, I don't imagine you lose a game 70 to 20 and come away with nothing the very next day, but this isn't the Denver Broncos podcast. This is of course, hockey mountain high, your go to Avalanche podcast. This is Arif Dean, presented by Mile High Sports. We are also sponsored by Superbook Sports. Uh, I'm excited to kind of talk some hockey here, talk some actual real-life game hockey. It is the preseason after all, so I'm not going to dig as much into this game as I would for the regular season, but... A couple things stood out to me. I want to start with the top line, or at least the top line for what we saw today at at Ball Arena was Ross Colton centering the two guys that came over from New Jersey and Tomas Tatar and Miles Wood. Speaking of those guys from New Jersey, clipped at the end of this podcast, I told you guys I'm going to have guests all off-season long or all training camp and preseason long, and I'm going to be joined by Christy Flannery, who covers the New Jersey Devils for the Hockey News here, clipped at the end of this podcast. It was a recording that we... We cranked out about a week ago, a couple of days after Tatar signed to talk about both Tatar and Wood and to talk about the New Jersey Devils in general as a team that is on the up, is, is a team that might be contending in the Eastern Conference this year um, and might be a team the Avalanche see down the road, just like they did 20 some years ago in the Stanley Cup final. So I'm excited for you guys to listen to that. It's a great interview. It's a great listen from uh, a genuinely great reporter out in New Jersey that, you know, really knows her stuff and, and, and gave us a lot of insight on both Tatar and Miles Wood and what they're going to bring to the Avs. So, before we get to that interview, I do want to, you know, go back to what I was saying. I want to talk about that line Colton, Wood, and Tatar. They were the three that were the main line tonight for the Avalanche, or today, I should say. And Jared Bettner had a lot of good things to say about them. I thought they played well. It was nice to see them kind of adjusting to the systems. It was nice to see them playing some PK minutes obviously for Colton and Wood. And it was nice to see Miles Wood kind of give us the full Miles Wood effect. And I think this is exactly the kind of guy the Avalanche were envisioning when they when they signed him, excuse me. And and it is still the preseason, but He did exactly what I thought he would do. I remember turning to Megan Angley, who sits by me in the press box, uh, sometime halfway through the first period. I said, boy, Miles Wood is really going to crash and bang into everything and anything, isn't he? And and we kind of both laughed about it. And then I remembered it was only the preseason, and he was already on his game doing that thing. So I am so pumped to see what this guy brings to the lineup this year as a third liner, maybe sometimes a fourth liner, who knows? But again, when we talk about the depth from a season ago and how much the Avalanche struggled past their top three, four, five guys at forward from that forward core, a lot of which were injured at the same time mostly, it's it's really nice to kind of be refreshed with a line like Tatar, Colton, and Wood. And Wood being the, th- the one of the three that isn't even going to be a high offensive producer, obviously I don't envision he will be, um, to see him kind of making an impact in the way that he did today in a preseason game, was really great. I chatted with him afterward. He, you know, he basically said exactly that. He said it was, uh, it was a game where he was just learning new systems, kind of getting his feet wet. He also did say that it was, you know, he 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 was looking forward to putting on that Avalanche sweater for the first time, which I thought was really really cool to hear from from a player that was drafted by the Devils and spent a decade there. He was drafted in 2013, number 100 overall, the same draft where McKinnon went one where Druen went 3, where Nichushkin went 10, where JT Comfer was taken, where Arturi Lekinen was taken, where Andre Burakovsky was taken and on and on and on the Avalanche love that 2013 draft and this is another guy from that from that selection. So, you know, great things to hear from Miles Wood, great things to see on the ice. The other thing that stuck out to me, there was the <laughs> what what we were calling the Dallas line, Joel Kiviranta, Frederick Olavsson and Riley Tufty. And man, Tufty's a big guy, big dude. Love seeing him kind of skate out there. Six foot six, uh, nice shot to score that goal late in the third period. But um, the big thing that stuck out to me from that line was when we asked Jared Bednar about it afterward, he talked about Tufty and Olofsson and he talked about the center position and, and how, you know, the, the team has a hole at the fourth line center position. And it sounded like they were really letting these guys get an opportunity to see if one of them can step up into that role. Now, what stuck out to me most about it is between Olafson and Tufti, and just kind of this revolving door of forwards that we're, we've talked a lot about. It almost sounds like Jared Bedner is saying that fourth line center role isn't Ben Myers' you know, position that's kind of cemented for him. It almost sounds like like Evan Rowell joked today when uh, when Bedner finished speaking. He said it almost sounds like Jared is saying this is this is. A hole and a position in the lineup that's available to everybody and anybody but Ben Myers. And obviously it's just a joke, but it just kind of goes to show that, you know, one of my predictions this season heading into the year was uh, Ben Myers is going to be the undisputed fourth line center. He's going to be the undisputed top and undisputed top 12 forward on this team and somebody that every time he's healthy and ready to go, he will play, he will not be a healthy scratch. What we're seeing from Riley Tufte, what we're seeing from Frederick Olofsson, who is a player that the Avalanche really do hold in high regard as a depth forward, and obviously uh, also you have Joel uh, Kiviranta who's there on the PTO. You're seeing guys that are challenging Ben Myers and you're seeing guys that are getting opportunity at center to take over that fourth line role alongside both Andrew Cogliano and Logan O'Connor on the other wing. Uh, obviously, Logan o- or sorry, not Co- o- Logan, but uh, Cogliano himself has played center. So if it's Kivi Ranta that really sticks out and you just can't healthy scratch him and you give him a contract, then maybe Cogliano's playing center with Kivi and with O'Connor. So it just kind of sounds like from what I heard from Jared and and, and what he talked about post game today, the position at fourth-line center is not Ben Myers's for sure. It's, it's more of a—I mean, and, and it was never going to be his for sure. He hasn't done anything to completely come into training camp and, and say that he's earned a roster spot. But it sounds like there's a lot more competition, and Jared is embracing the competition and, and uh, inspiring competition a lot more than I thought he would for that role. So that was the other thing that stood out to me. I also thought Eustace Ananen, who let in one goal on 18 shots, looked pretty solid. He looks a lot bigger and kind of filled out his frame a little bit more. And it is, after all, a preseason game against the Minnesota Wild team that looks like a shell of the team that will play in the regular season. But uh, good things uh, from Ananen. Arvid Holm struggled a little bit. The Avalanche, uh, you know, they took a lot of late penalties, and Arvid was in goal for uh, three of the four goals as the Avs lost 4-3, obviously. But uh, it was nice to see Ananen start the game, play the first 30, 32 minutes, I believe it is. And obviously, since it is a preseason, you know they often go with the the, the split duties and goal, 30 minutes for each guy, first whistle after the 30-minute mark, you bring in the backup goalie. So it was nice to see Ananen do what he did today. Um, but yeah, those are my big takeaways. Uh, I think from here, I uh, do want to mention that uh, Nathan McKinnon, obviously, over the weekend, Uh, you know, he flew out to Halifax. He had his jersey number 22, retired by the Halifax Mooseheads. And then he flew back in, and at the end of training camp's practice on Saturday, he jumped in wearing one of those green sweaters that's been kind of reserved for the AHL fringe guys that are pretty much not expected to play NHL minutes at all this season. Uh, And he came in, and he played with a couple of those guys on a line and it was just really cool to see that this is a guy that's just always hungry to be on the ice always hungry to 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 skate with his teammates despite him you know having just flew in from where uh, where he was in Halifax for the jersey retirement night so congratulations to Halifax's number 22 Nathan McKinnon um, who obviously wears number 29 I remember when he was drafted number 22 was taken by Matt Hunwick so He had to kind of shift to 29, and it's become a legendary number for him for the Avalanche. So uh, shout-out to Nathan McKinnon. I also want to mention and shout-out UC Parkula, who received uh, a contract extension as the Avalanche's goaltending coach. Uh, He's been exceptional with this team, starting with Semyon Varlamov through to Philip Grubauer, obviously to Alexander Georgiev. He worked with Darcy Kemper for a year. He's been there with Pavel François for many, many years now. Uh, A lot of goalies have benefited from UC Parkola, and it is a well-deserved contract extension for him as the first European goaltending coach to win the Stanley Cup in the NHL as a part of the Avs in 2022. So shout out to him. Before I send it over to the Christy Flannery interview, I do want to mention that once again, we are sponsored by Superbook Sports. So why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports This Fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door it's just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere and now Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code High. that's mile space high so bet with the best and use promo code Mile this football season with SuperBook Sports. Visit superbook, SuperBookSports.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. Let's kick it over to Christy Flannery. Let's talk about the Devils, Miles Wood, and Tomas Tatar. Enjoy the interview. Joining me now on the show is Christy Flannery, out of the out of New Jersey, covers the New Jersey Devils for the hockey no, the hockey news. Uh, She's also a member of the PHWA, and she's a podcast host. Tell me more about your podcast.
1: Oh, hi. So I do the Stilettos and Stouts podcast. I have to be honest. I started this podcast while I am covering the team as a credentialed media member, and the scheduling, like, it's hard for people to do both. Like, (laughs) I have so much respect for a podcast host that can keep a strict schedule when the hockey schedule is just all over the place. So it's a work in progress. It's it's a journey. It's a fun journey.
0: <laughs> yeah, Hockey Mountain High. This is our, you know, I, I had a co-host JJ but he actually just moved on. But this is this is my 5th season doing the show and we always say four times a week and we average about 10 a month. So It's uh, so- <laughs> Which in itself just sounds like an obnoxious amount of shows, but we we make it work. It's fun to talk hockey. I I, I think it's it's the coolest job in the world. <laughs> yeah. But uh, with that, I actually you know wanted to have you on to talk about the Devils. They're one of the up and coming teams in the NHL, uh, potentially looking to enter their window as a cup contender. But we got to start with the pressing needs here. The Avalanche, you know, back in July signed Miles Wood to a six year deal at two and a half million a year. And I was going to touch on that when we had originally scheduled this. And then, lo and behold, on Tuesday, Tomas Tatar signs a one-year deal, $1.5 million. So, we're going to talk about both of those guys to start the show. Uh, just tell me a little bit about each one. Let's start with with Miles Wood.
1: So, we're talking on the ice, correct?
0: Yeah. I mean, off the ice, too. I, I'd i love to hear about their personalities, too. I'm excited so, to meet
1: them. for Miles Wood, his game can be described as... All gas and no brakes like he has that speed, which is great, but there's some kind of sometimes a little bit of reckless abandon that comes with that and when I talked to his uh, former teammates they kind of said he's like a bowling ball out there, which is good you want that guy on the ice that can really provide that energy and he did reach the 30 point mark once in his career so he offensively can contribute as well. I personally think he's going to do really well in Colorado. When I thought of potential landing spots for him, the first team that came across in my mind was actually Buffalo. But then when he signed with Colorado, I said, that makes just as much sense to me as Buffalo did. So I think he's going to acclimate very well.
0: What do you think of the six-year term?
1: I think it was a surprise. I think yes. it was a surprise by everybody, but you have to understand from a player's perspective, who doesn't want that, especially at his age in his late twenties. Like you don't know about if he wants to start a family, like you want that security as a player. So I was just more surprised because of the way that one and two year deals were handed out that they actually gave him six, but good for him.
0: Yeah, I remember Chris McFarland, the general manager, said that Wood was someone that he had been scouting for years and had wanted for years. And then when we talked to Miles Wood, he said, I heard what Chris McFarland said, and it was very flattering. And yeah. uh, it just seems like a match made in heaven for the two of them. It seems like the kind of guy that would do well in Colorado. Um, but with that, the Avalanche had to rebuild their depth. We all saw what happened to them after the Stanley Cup when they lost Burakovsky and Kadri. And then Landeskog had, hasn't played since. They obviously lost Nachushkin in the playoffs. They, they had a lot of depth issues, and they've rebuilt their third line. Ultimately, mm-hmm. what it looks like they're going to have on the third line now is uh, Ross Colton at center with Miles Wood on one wing, and at the other wing, it's looking more like Tomas Tatar. So tell me a little bit about him. I think I lost your audio. Don't worry, I, I can edit this out, but I definitely don't hear you.
1: Uh, is that better?
0: Okay, yes, I can hear you now.
1: Sorry, my whole computer just froze for a minute. So I was just- Oh, okay. Well, so, sorry, no I usually use Chrome. So if it does that again, I'm sorry, I'm gonna okay. make your life a little bit more difficult.
0: You're totally fine. I have someone to do it for me. <laughs> okay. Don't even worry about it.
1: Um, but yeah, I'll just jump right in with the tar. Um, okay. Tatar is kind of like a chameleon because he was kind of put all throughout Lindy Ruff's lineup and he's a veteran. He's not afraid to shoot the puck. He has durability, which I think is really important for the Avalanche because they really struggled with uh, injuries last year. So I think that's an added bonus for you guys. And he doesn't play a physical game, but he has like a little bit of grittiness to him sometimes. So overall, I think it was a really sneaky low, really good deal for the Avalanche to bring on Tatara at this point. Mm-hmm.
0: I agree. I think he's going to play he's going to play a large part of this team in, in a middle six role. And, you know, depending on how injuries go, how the Jonathan Drouin experiment goes, there could be times where he's in the top six, even the top line. But if he's on that third line, do you think him and Miles would can complement each other? And I guess the more important question is, do you recall if they had played together at all on the same line?
1: So last season, I actually had to look this up for you. They played around 30 minutes together throughout okay. the season last year. Um, along with Eric Halla. I think what's going to be intriguing to watch is Tatar has been around the league. He's been traded. He's signed places as free agents. The idea of coming to a new team and learning a new system is something that he's used to doing, even though there is that difficulty with learning a new system. Miles Wood has been a homegrown devil. So you don't really know how this player is going to adjust to a new organization, a new city, a new team. It's a lot for a player to kind of go through that. And knowing that he has familiarity with Tatar, because I believe during uh, Miles' media availability, he said he wasn't really familiar with a lot of his teammates.
0: Correct, yeah.
1: Um, so I kind of want to see if he's going to lean on Tatar, who's been there, who is that better? It can kind of help him through. And the fact that they both experienced Lindy Ruff's system last year, so maybe Tatar could help him with, okay, this is how we're going to do it. I'm interested on in the dynamic of just kind of if he's going to help Miles go through this first time experience of having to learn a new system with a new team. Um, So potentially that could kind of bond them together a little bit, maybe just from an outside perspective.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such an interesting uh, dynamic between the two. It's, it's night and day, because like you said, Tatar has been around a little bit. He's moved around quite a bit from, I want to say Detroit, Vegas, Montreal, and then New Jersey. So he's joining a team where he played with Druan and Lekanen. He's played with Tatar. He just missed Darren Helm, who was a teammate in Detroit. So he's been around. There's a lot of guys here he's familiar with. And then obviously Miles Wood as well. So the difference there, I'm, I'm really interested. And that's a good point. You mentioned about wood for him to join a new team for the first time. And, you know, if, if his season is off to a little bit of a rocky start, it could be part of the reason why, but I definitely think there's, there's something there with Miles's game, something there with what Tatar can bring in terms of durability and just point production That is going to help this team on, on both fronts Uh, with that to turn the playoffs is a little bit of a conversation that everybody wants to talk about what went wrong with him. I went to you last year with, with the devils in the postseason,
1: you know, it's it's such a hard question to answer because everyone, you know, when, when. You look at people, you know. Everyone trades the like the signings and the grades right after it happens, and yeah. that's the big the big question mark with Tatar is always his playoff performance, his playoffs performance. He doesn't show up in those big moments, um, and it's a pattern. I guess you could say that it's a pattern in his career. Sometimes I don't know, you know. I think it's one of those things. Sometimes when you ask the player, even the player doesn't really have an answer for you. I don't even think he'd have an answer for you. Maybe it's just a mental thing. Maybe it's just, you know, gripping the stick a little too tight, putting too much pressure on yourself, because you know that you have that outside reputation of not being that Andre Palat that steps up in those big moments. It could be a million different things. It could just be injuries. You know, the fact that he played as many games as he did in the regular season, maybe he's more banged up than people actually, you know, think. You can go back and forth, I mean, for hours trying to debate, right? What's wrong with, you know, why certain players do so well in certain situations. Um, so that would be interesting because I would assume Colorado is going to make the playoffs this year. So it'll be interesting to see how he can do with new linemates, new environment, and see if that maybe can you know, get him going a little bit.
0: Yeah. He had the one year in Detroit. They went to seven games against Tampa Bay. He had three goals and an assist in that series. And, you know, I, I always wonder if the Red Wings had won game seven if he would have built on that, had a good second round, whether the wings lost or 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 advanced out of that round, if if he had one good playoff on his resume, if that would change, like you said, the mental aspect of knowing there's that reputation that I've built. So uh, really interested to see how it goes there. But moving on from the guys that are joining the Avalanche, obviously, I did want to talk about the Devils because, like I said in the beginning of the show, this is a team that's projected to be one of the contenders entering their window Avalanche fans will always have a connection to New Jersey, uh, not just because of 2001 playing in the Cup Final, but because over three years, there were two drafts where the Avalanche were the team with the best odds to get the number one pick. Both years, they fell to four. And lo and behold, both years, the Devils took number one. Yeah. One of them was Nico Heischer. The Avs ended up with Kel Makar. I think they're fine there. They're the, the other one is Jack Hughes going number one the Avalanche ended up with Bowen Byram, wonderful player, but I often think of what would have been had the Avalanche had Jack Hughes, would they have won a cup? Would they have traded for Kadri? It's just fun to always have that connection. But tell me about the devils last year. They really broke out. Is this team to you a legitimate contender and why?
1: You know, it's, it's so hard when you say a legitimate contender. Cause I think that I think this is a team that has a chance to win the Stanley cup. And uh, Jesper Bratt actually did an interview on 32 thoughts, the podcast, and he was reflecting on last year's playoffs and he made it a point to say that they got so far in getting, you know, surprising everybody making it to the second round, but he goes, but we're still so far away. Cause you still have to win that second round that third, you know, there's so much more to be done and could they win? Yeah. I mean, look what Florida did this year, Florida surprised everybody. I, In our media room, I was telling people before the playoffs start, I said, watch the Florida Panthers. I'm like, they're going to eliminate Boston Bruins. And I was the only one that had that prediction. So you never know what can happen. Goaltender gets hot, team gets hot at the right time. For the Devils, they're built for long-term success. That's right now where I see them. They're built to be competitive for a long time. This isn't a team where this is like their one year to do it. So I'm hesitant to say that they are a contender to win the Stanley Cup this year. But they are in the conversation to be competitive, to fight for, to go further in the playoffs than they did last year, if that makes sense.
0: We just saw a season where Aiden Hill won the Stanley Cup. The year before that, Darcy Kemper won a Stanley Cup. Do you think their goaltending is enough with Vitek Vanacek kind of riding the, r- running the show?
1: To be honest, I was of the opinion right from the end of the season when everyone was on the Connor Hallibook train, I was of the opinion to just run it back with Akira and VTech. I think a lot of people, a lot of people looked at VTech's playoff performance and they kind of neglected what he was able to do in the regular season. And people are almost giving Akira a free pass because that was his first playoff experience. But for VTech, he only had not even five playoff games of experience under his belt before this season as well. So they were both just very new to that whole experience. Um, I'm actually good with the goaltenders. I think time will tell. The only question I personally had wasn't who the starter was going to be or if the starter was going to be good enough. It was whether the organization had – the goaltending depth to survive an 82 game schedule. Cause we see most teams are going through three to five goaltenders a season now. And then after I publish that, then Fitzgerald signed Keith Kincaid as another option uh, for the depth. But I would at least definitely, if you have to re like revisit the goaltending conversation, do it for the trade deadline. I'm not really that worried going into the season, to be honest.
0: They lost Damon Severson to, as a UFA while well, they traded him to Columbus right before the UFA period. They be, I believe they added, it was Colin Miller. They also added Cal foot. They also have Nolan foot. So the foot brothers from Denver are now back together again after playing in Tampa together or being in that organization together. But in terms of their defense, they, like I said, they lose Severson. They add Colin Miller, but you're looking at big steps from uh, Simone uh, Nemich. And uh, who's the other young one? Oh, Luke, Luke Hughes, Michigan. I, I'm Luke Hughes. A Wolverine. I love Luke Hughes. Um, Do you think their defense is good enough? Is it better than a year ago?
1: I'm hesitant to say it's better than a year ago because when you looked at Ryan Graves, who I know you're very familiar with.
0: Oh yes. And Ryan Graves Graves
1: was very, his performance in the first half versus after his injury were very different, but Graves did a lot of really great things to start last season. Damon was a player who was unfortunately like the whipping boy of New Jersey, but he did a lot of low key things that made an impact in a game. Um, so I'm not going to say that the defense is better. I think a lot of it is going to depend on Luke and kind of how Luke handles his first real rookie season, because he's expected and projected to take over grave spot and be a top four defenseman. And that's a lot of pressure for a kid that just finished, you know, just came out of college. So I think a lot of it is going to depend on that. We all know goaltenders take longer to develop. There's errors that come with that development. And I think for that reason alone, you're really not going to see Nemec that much this year. He might make his NHL debut, but he, I think they're going to keep him in the American Hockey League to just further develop him. There's no real reason to rush him. And you're also going to have Kevin Ball, who's a young defenseman, who is going to potentially see more minutes and more games than he has in his entire career. So I think there's a lot of question marks just to see how young players develop. I still think it's a stable defense. I think they're going to be able to hold their own, but there's two major X factors on the blue line right now.
0: Yeah, Kevin Ball's a behemoth. Part of that Taylor Hall trade, I think they did pretty well there. I think the first rounder ended up being Dawson Mercer. Dawson
1: Mercer, and yeah. they, I think Siegenthaler is also attached. Oh wow!
0: Okay. So yeah,
1: that, this is yeah. why you can't grade the trade when it happens, guys. This is why you need to give it. Let it, <laughs> yeah. let it go
0: for a little bit. I'll never forget when when he got traded out of New Jersey. the The Devils were in Denver, and Taylor Hall was a last minute healthy scratch, and uh, he ended up being a healthy scratch the next night, and then he got traded to Arizona in that deal for these guys. And, uh, there was a lot of rumors of him coming to Denver. I wonder what the avalanche could have given up there. Um, yeah, it would have been, it would have been fascinating to see what, what would happen there, but I think they did pretty well. Uh, obviously it's a well-built team. They have a lot of young guys. I love the, the recent additions of Andre Palat and, uh, uh, Dougie Hamilton. And, uh, even, uh, the guy from San Jose, why is his name? Timo 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 Meyer. Yeah. Sorry. Like just they've added great players around their young core and uh, I'm excited to see. it. I I love when the devils are good at hockey because when I was growing up, it was the devils. It was the red wings. It was the avalanche. It was the Dallas stars and outside of Detroit, a lot of those teams are good again. So it's, it's, it's fun to kind of watch it, but uh,
1: see the the cycle and see kind of, you know, the teams that had that dynasty kind of go into their rebuild. It's just fun to see different teams and what they're capable of doing
0: yeah uh with that i kind of just want to get i I like to do this with reporters of other teams because it gives it gives listeners fans even myself an outside view what is your opinion of the avalanche the team that won the stanley cup lost a bunch of guys and then had the summer they just did where they added a whole bunch of new faces
1: yeah and this is coming from somebody who doesn't obviously study the avalanche like I do. yeah yeah yeah.
0: i just love the outside views
1: i think that they're still a contender i think they're still a really good team and if I'm being completely honest, I had Miko Rantanen in my like top three in my heart voting.
0: Oh, nice. Here okay.
1: Because of what he was able to do to keep that team afloat during those injuries. And I think adding the depth that they did, again, I'm not going to say they're going to start off, you know, flying because there is that adjustment period for all players. But I think that this is a really dynamic team. And I think they're a really fun team. I mean, you have Kel McCarr. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. You have I'm Kel like McCarr, that. you have Nathan McKinnon, you have Miko Rantanen. it's... The list you're, you're goes yeah. on
1: and on and on. So I think they're a really fun team. I always enjoy when they come to New Jersey. They're one of the ones that I kind of circle on the calendar.
0: Awesome. Well, with that, we're going to close it out here. I, I really do appreciate you taking the time to do this. Hopefully I'll meet you. If I, if I can, you know, get onto that trip to New Jersey this year, I'll, I'll meet you somewhere on the road. But uh, uh, thanks again for doing this. It gives us a nice view of the Devils heading into this upcoming season. And uh, with that, we'll put an end to this segment.